Welcome to Force Points to the Point Cybersecurity Podcast. Each week, join Eric Trexler and Erica Pierce to explore the latest in government cybersecurity news and trending topics. Always covered in 15 minutes or less. Now, let's get to the point. Hi, and welcome back to episode 19 of To The Point Cybersecurity. I'm one of your hosts, Erica Pierce, and also we have with us, as always, Eric Trexler. Good evening, Erica. <laughs> Hi, Eric. And we have a guest that has been on before. So, um, George, you're actually our first guest that's been a repeat guest. George Camus right. <laughs> from Force My Point. My pleasure. This is exciting. Thank you for having me back. Well, you had so much fun that you came back for more, so we appreciate it. All right. <laughs> so, George, a couple of weeks ago, you were on a Force Point webcast that talked about uh, Force Point's 2019 cybersecurity predictions. If you haven't listened to it, uh, we'll include the, uh, the link in our show notes. But I thought it was a great, great webcast because, uh, you know, sometimes when you hear about these prediction reports, it's the same all same all right they'll say oh there's going to be moves to cloud in 2019 or things like that things that you know are, are pretty obvious but i thought that the force point report did a really good job of going a little bit deeper and almost will i say being a little bit provocative in some of the um some of the some of the uh, predictions that the report made so excited to dive into uh those predictions on this podcast and get the take from both you and eric about some of these um some of the things that may or may not happen in 2019 all right Right. Okay, we ready, guys? Ready, Eric, as well? Let's do it. <laughs> so the first one uh, is interesting because just last week we had on our podcast Dr. Kular, um, and we talked about machine learning. And so what this this prediction that's in the report is that there's no real AI in government or in cybersecurity, I should say, nor is there a likelihood for it to develop in 2019. So this one could be a little bit debated. Um, we'll start with you, George. What's, what's your take on this prediction, and especially as it relates to government? Ah, all right. So I think government and commercial uh, market are very similar. I, I think the challenge here is people are confusing AI with machine learning. There's not a real good definition between the two. You know, when you look at AI, at least the way I look at it, it just mimics human behavior, everything that we do from planning, problem solving, et cetera. But the reality is I think we're doing machine learning, and that's a machine that's looking at a specific data set that learns from that data set and adapts it, its algorithms to do a better job in finding out information. I think that's where we are. I think personally AI is a big overblown marketing term that's maybe suffering from you know, the Gardner hype cycle mm-hmm. where it's hitting to the point of uh, disillusionment. Um, so that's just my personal opinion. But I think the good news out of all this is that generally everyone agrees that computers need to do a better job in looking at data, making better decisions on the data, and that being machine learning instead of artificial intelligence. Which is really pattern recognition and looking for noise or signal within the noise. Yes. I mean, that's machine learning. Machine learning and then adjusting based upon that. It's interesting. Every single customer I go to talks about AI and machine learning interchangeably. It's always on the top of their of their priority list. Mm -hmm. And I agree with you, George. They really they really intermingle the terminology and I see it very differently. Right. And I think that's part of this prediction. Uh, Rafi did an excellent job outlining it. It's just making it or at least showing the market that force point believes that 
AI is somewhat hyped at this point, mm-hmm. and it's truly machine learning. And and we're actually doing a great job at machine learning in our um, behavior analytics lab that Mar- uh, Marty's run- I mean Rafi's running. So when I when I look at the the topic here, the prediction, there is no real AI in cybersecurity, nor any likelihood for it to ve- to, to develop in 2019. Yeah, I, that's a safe prediction in my mind. Yet we're going to go to RSA in a couple months, and AI <laughs> will be everywhere. Every, it will so be everywhere. my prediction is we will continue to talk about AI, and as an industry, try to profit on it from Absolutely. it. Absolutely, but it's really not there. I agree with you and Rafi. Mm-hmm. Not yeah. there yet. Okay, okay. Let's, let's hit another one. Okay, uh, so the second prediction in the report was attackers will disrupt industrial Internet of Things devices using vulnerabilities in cloud infrastructure and hardware. So, George, you so, really went out on, a, on an edge here with this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let's talk about it. So this is a little bit different. We, we've been doing these um, force point predictions for the past four years, and we did something similar to this last year, but we wanted to come at it at a different angle. And I like this one because I'm the author of it. Um, but... What we're doing is we, we've looked at the attack surface a bit differently. Everyone is concerned about IoT devices on the edge point being attacked, and certainly that's the case. And Some may happen. argue nobody's concerned about it, and therefore we have very limited security, but go yeah, on. But, but yeah, it, it's certainly an attack vector. But you know, if you start attacking um, IoT devices, I have to go to company A, company B, company C, company D, et cetera, to do a coordinated attack or go to your house, go to my house, go to Erica's house to attack those devices. What's easier is attack the whole subsystem or the whole system at the cloud. Mm-hmm. So the, the S3 storage or the computational side. Right. So all these IoT devices are reporting back to the cloud and the cloud controls them. There's some very good benefits from being connected to the cloud, like getting live real-time updates to systems to address vulnerabilities. But what if a sophisticated attacker attacked that cloud instance, then automatically has control of all those devices at once? So we, we saw something similar to this with the Ring doorbell product line a couple of uh, weeks ago, right, where they were sharing video data with some Ukrainian developers, but they really live data. So anybody using a Ring doorbell or their security cameras could have had it. But what you're saying is, hey, if you want to get somebody's security video, you could literally hack into Ring, which is using, I believe, Amazon, and control all of the cameras. You have access to all of the videos. Exactly. You want to launch a botnet, you have all that compute power from a central location. And then to pull this thread a little further, what we said is, okay, how do we attack that cloud instance? Well, maybe we attack it from a neighborhood or a neighboring process within the cloud. So, so why, why haven't we seen this? It seems so easy. Um, you know, I, to be honest, the cloud providers do an excellent job. They do. Of separating virtual instances and customers' data. However, you know, I'm sure nations are looking at ways to exploit that and take advantage of it. We've seen some attacks that um, are relevant to the cloud, such as Spectre and Meltdown. Mm-hmm. You know, it's done at the hardware processing level. So there's certainly a, you know, this, you know, there's certainly a possibility there. We just haven't seen it. It's gonna be interesting when there is a big cloud attack, what happens. I'm very scared. Yeah. 
Well, I think it, next one. Oh, go ahead. <laughs> well, no, I was going to say, I think it's also just such a great example when we think about Internet of Things and so many um, different innovations happening. I know there's been lots of talk, for example, about um, security around uh, um, um, the driverless cars and the fitness devices and things like that. And so you don't always think about the cybersecurity issues that can come with all of these new innovations that happen, and especially as they're being used by organizations and agencies and such. So yep. good to get a take on that one. Okay, um, so this is this is an interesting one. The prediction in the report is 2019, we will see a court case in which after a data breach, an employee claims innocent and an employer employer claims deliberate action. And I'd be particularly interested to think about if this could happen in a government scenario. I could definitely see how it could happen um, in the private sector, especially with, um, you know, an employer saying you, you know, you were responsible for a data breach and, um, you know, punishing their employee or, or letting them go and an employee then um, responding by by a lawsuit. But I'm wondering if this, there's a scenario where this could happen on the government side. And uh, George, I know you had a few comments about this when you spoke on the webcast. Yeah, it, there's there's many different angles on this. What about stolen credentials? Right. What if someone in the government stole another person's credentials and started an exfil data out or stealing data out of the government and basically pinning it on someone else? So from an audit point of view, it looked like, you know, I did it. You did it. But you took my credentials. Exactly. You impersonated me. Exactly. And this all gets back to the purpose of the prediction in the underlying theme is that we need to do a better job as an industry to collect information on human behaviors. Because if I stole your your credentials, Eric, and acted as you, I would act completely different than you. Right. I would not act like you at all. And it would be clear that it was someone else that stole your credentials that took the information because the behaviors are completely different than what you're only if we're looking at behavior, though. Correct. If we're not, you appear to be me. That is the key. So we need to look at the behaviors to make sure that, you know, it was stolen credentials. I think we also also need to look at human behaviors. And this is certainly something that we're really focused on at Force Point to make sure that a person hasn't also gone rogue or gone bad too, mm-hmm. right? So make sure that we can monitor them, make sure we collect the right data, that we can track their behaviors, make sure that they're their own right thing. If their credentials are compromised, we can detect that. Or if that person goes rogue or uh, gets misaligned with the organization, we can also detect that and also have record of that as well. So we could take it to court and do the correct prosecution. Very aligned then, commercial, government, really doesn't matter. Same doesn't problem, matter. same uh, outcome. Exactly. And you could say whistleblower in the government, but we also see whistleblower cases in the in the commercial market. Too. Well, absolutely. We yeah. see data theft in both. Exactly. Yep. And one person's, you know, hacktivism or whistleblower could be another, you know, someone else view it as, you know, corporate. Yeah, the corporate espionage, patriot. So what we need to do is really look at what that human has done, what the data, how they have, what was their intent? Intent. Yeah, it's all about The what and the The why we spoke about last week from a machine learning podcast. (laughs) It all connects the dots, yep, okay. Um, So let's jump around a little bit in the report and go to prediction number five. Um, Isolationist trade policies will incentivize nation states and corporate entities to steal trade secrets and use cyber tactics to disrupt government, critical infrastructure, and vital industries. 
That's yeah. quite the prediction. <laughs> yeah, it's quite the prediction. prediction. But you know, if you look at history, it was really, really bad a number of years ago. So much that the government signed a uh, cyber accord um, where the U.S. and China pledged not to steal each other's trade secrets. And um, after that happened, actually, we saw the number of attacks, at least um, from China, decreasing quite a bit. However, you know, with the, the, the new administration, We've uh, put some new trade constraints in place, which has caused further disruption, and we're seeing a kick up again. So, you know, I, it's going to happen as, as long as that there's data there for a one country to take from another country, it, it will occur. All we can do is, um, you know, of course, put defenses in place to prevent it from happening and, um, and put other trade packs in, in place. Yeah, and I think, I think this week we just saw – the heads of uh, U.S. intelligence agencies mm-hmm. and DNI report back to Congress. Cyber espionage is one of the most um, potentially damaging mm-hmm. uh, consequences from a cybersecurity perspective that we're going to deal with as a society. And the government's the getting ahead of this. We have a ton to lose. Yeah, and the government's getting ahead of this with establishment of Cybercom. So Cybercom was set up to uh, protect the Donin, DOD information networks. It was also set up to defend the United States in, in case of cyber attack. But even commercial companies, I mean, there are reasons for countries to take our intellectual property. It's a lot cheaper to steal it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Than to, than to innovate and create it. I, I saw the other week, I think the DOD's R&D budget was something like $95 billion. Wow. Oh, wow. I mean, imagine what your R&D budget needs to be if <laughs> yeah. you just steal everything okay. from the most, you know, the, the, the most capable country out there that has IP. And it happens regularly. And talking to folks on the commercial side, healthcare. Same problem. Same problem. There's a ton of research done in the health industry that gets stolen on a a yearly basis. Well, some of these countries have some of the largest health problems in the world. So protecting their their national interests, there's an incentive there. Absolutely. So I don't see this going away at all. It's a pretty easy prediction. So it's called soft. Yeah, I agree with that one. I'd say that's that's a little bit softer. Yeah. Okay. Go ahead, Eric. Okay. All right. Want to do one more? (laughs) We'll do one more. Okay. Uh, concern about breaches will cause government to further embrace edge computing in order to enhance privacy. Designers will face significant headwinds with adoption due to low user trust. Um, so I'll, I'll say this. There's a quote that um, I've seen quite a bit. I believe it's from Max Everett from um, Ener- Department of Energy, CIO. Yeah. And he says the mission starts in the edge. When he, he said that a number of times when he's talking about cybersecurity. So curious to get to take your take on this one. So from a government point of view, I, I think the DOD and IC are, are doing a pretty good job at trust at the edge. They have CAC card, common access card, PIV card um, that contains a digital certificate that they physically insert into a machine and they authenticate using a secret that they have or a pin code to get access. So that's putting some edge at the trust. So you have some confidence that it is Eric Trexler or Eric logging onto a machine. So, you know, we do have some trust at the at the end uh, or at the edge, which is a big advantage over you know many uh, on the corporate side. So I, I, I think the government's in a little better um, position than that. But I'd be curious to get your thoughts, Eric. Yeah, I, I don't know if I agree. I, I think most organizations, government or private private sector, really struggle to understand where the edge is. Mm. Yep. You know, consumers have, have gained a lot of power over the last decade as things have moved to mobile, IoT, you name it. 
Um, and, and those aren't typically solutions that are provided by IT. You go to the AT&T, Verizon store, Apple store, wherever, and, and buy your mobile device, you've got a lot of data there. Yep. And I think organizations in general are struggling to provide capability and trust users. And a lot of it isn't even about trust in some ways. To me, it's, it's more about, you know, do you have an educated user? Do they understand the risks? Or are they just trying to do their job? We have a lot of good people out there, government or private sector, just trying to do their job. And they may download a piece of software which has malware in it or has a backdoor of some sort that's filtering the data off. And, and that is a, uh, you know, I think that's a clear concern. So when, when you hear Dr. Ford talk about that, um, he, he talks about organizations making little headway due to broken trust. I don't, I don't know that we're communicating effectively yet. Yeah, hey, you bring up a very, very good point that it's a really hard problem today because, you know, five, well, no, say 10 years ago, we just had to protect the PCs at the end point. Now everything has gone mobile. You got data is everywhere. Yeah, there everywhere. Is no, the, the perimeter is, 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 is literally non-existent. Right. Mm-hmm. And the days of protecting your physical computers in a physical location with a, a firewall between you and the Internet are not. Right. Everything's cloud compute, mobile devices. So you're right. It is a difficult problem to solve. So, you know, I, I think one of the one of the things, the components we need to really look at is the actual data itself mm-hmm. and, and and kind of where it is in the flow. You know, if you go to the device level, that data could be on any device at any time or, or any number of devices. So really understanding the data and understanding how users are interacting with it, how how, you know, users who should not have access are interacting with it. That's that's probably the best answer I can think of. Mm-hmm. But it, this is this is a really difficult problem. You don't want to inject friction into the business process. Yep. Yeah, to lock all of that down, business won't even function anymore. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Frustrate okay. the end you users. work today without your mobile device? No. <laughs> You'd be far less efficient. I'd be a hell of a lot less productive. Mm-hmm. So it's a big problem. We're not solving that in 2019. Mm-hmm. That is my prediction for the day. <laughs> <laughs> good, good. Any, any last predictions that we did not have on the list from, from either of you? Wow, curveball, huh? <laughs> I'll throw one out there. Okay. I, I think all this cyber activity we're seeing is is going to, especially at the nation state level, I think it's going to get out of control. I think it's almost like a chemical or a biological weapon somebody releases with some some level of intent. But you really can't control certain weapons like that. And I, I think we're going to see it lead into more of a kinetic, uh, at least limited conflict at some point. Oh, interesting. Right? Something's going to get out of control from a cyber perspective. Somebody's feeling somebody's population is going to get hurt and the the they're going to resort to some level of kinetic activity. Yeah. Um, and, and that may actually draw a line in the sand that helps us curtail the amount of cyber activity. Right. You can't step into a foreign nation state's territory. That, that incursion is 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 breaking international law and causes problems with cybersecurity today. Co- countries are doing it all the time. Yep. Yep. And it's easy. It's super easy. Yeah. And it's really difficult to detect. And you don't and have attribute. to face your enemy and the, you don't have to look at your enemy. You can just do it. Yeah. And they can't even look back. Yep. Anyway, that was mine. All right. Very good. Well, thank you, uh, George, for being on. Will you come back next year so we can see which predictions that uh, you guys got right? Yeah, but I'd love to come back next year and talk about our predictions for 2020. 
Right. We'll, have, and we'll do a little scorecard to see what we got right and what we got And actually, wrong. that's a good point you bring up. Force Point's unique. We do predictions. Many companies do predictions, but we also score them. Score them. Mm-hmm. And uh, we have a report card online about our previous predictions. Um, we've done quite well. I think we we squirm. You know, we'll give ourselves an A plus, but we're we'll also give us a, a give a, give ourselves a C or a B minus as well. Now we need to fix some of the problems. Let's do it. <laughs> right. Yep. All okay. right. Well, we'll let you guys go so you can get uh, busy being the solution uh, driver. So, <laughs> thanks everyone for being on the uh, to both of you for being here this week and to all our listeners for uh, for tuning in. And please do uh, continue to subscribe to the podcast, give us a rating, and to let us know what you want us to hear us talk about. Thanks so much, and we'll see you next time. To the point. Thanks for joining us on the To the Point Cybersecurity Podcast, brought to you by Forcepoint. For more information and show notes from today's episode, please visit www.forcepoint.com/govpodcast. And don't forget to subscribe and leave a review on iTunes or the Google Play Store. 